It's me, Mandy. Hi. Uh, before we start the show, I just want to take a moment and say that if you're struggling with mental health, it's okay to ask for help. I have been trying to shake the fog that the pandemic has rooted in me, and I hesitated to get help because I thought I could just figure a way out of it, but it became apparent to me that this fog was actually causing me problems with my work, my physical health, and my relationships. So. I made an appointment and I saw my doctor and when I screened moderate to high for anxiety and depression, I felt validated and also very relieved to finally be getting help. Now I bring all of this up because today's guest is not here for the first time. I actually interviewed her almost two years ago and could not, for the life of me, get myself together enough to finish the episode. But she is such a wonderful and understanding person that she agreed to come back for a second time and I love her for it. Now, let's start the show. This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's guest is a beekeeper from San Antonio, Texas, whose journey into beekeeping guided her through the loss of a loved one. Her transformation as a beekeeper is nothing short of amazing, and her story reminds us that things do happen for a reason. I am always impressed with her ability to keep a cool head with hot bees, which has become one of her signatures on social media. Meet the ultra cool Heather Wilk. That's why sometimes I'm in Instagram for a while, and then I just, I have to get out, because that place is... Oh, I have a love-hate relationship with it. I do you know? too. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was thinking about that just this morning about how in my funk, you know, on your phone, it can tell you your app usage and like how much time yes. you're spending on the apps. And when I look at how much time I'm spending on Instagram and not gaining followers and not putting out that viral content, you know, all of that and still feeling kind of disconnected from the community that we have on there. Because we have a great yeah. beekeeping community on there uh, yeah. for the most yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we'll just say that. Um, yeah. And I'm like, God, I have got to like, I've got to shift some stuff around. I really got to do some changes so that when I do show up, I can be engaged and not just a scrolling zombie beekeeper. Well, and not only that, but so when I post something, I, I, my account is contemporaneous. So it's like within a couple of the two or three days of me getting that footage, I'm posting it. I don't really dig back. I have some awesome stuff from the past, but I don't really do that because I want to, it's like my journal. Yeah. Like I can look back and say, this is what was going on last January 
with, you know, the, the status of the hives or what's blooming or whatever. So I like to be able to use it. And then also um, when I meet beekeepers here in San Antonio, new beekeepers, I can say, look back and look back like what January was like for me last month or, or last year, February. And so they can get a kind of an idea. Um, so that's kind of how I use it. Um, and, you know, the whole platform has shifted so much in that <laughs> what they want you to post. And I kind of tried to dabble in that a little bit. And then I was just like, screw it. I just, it's too, it's, it's not my, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy making these really fast clip things. And I don't, Yeah. and I, people, some people do, they're great at it. And I don't know how they spend so much. It takes me forever just to make one reel. That's <laughs> right? just it. Um, and then you hear from creators talking about how they spent hours on a really wonderfully educational and beautifully put together reel and it's hardly getting any views right. and then you have view reels that maybe are just kind of thrown together and kind of random and they go viral what is right. the formula i don't know i don't know I, I don't know and so i stopped trying to <laughs> guess what it was and i just post stuff that i want to post yeah and sometimes like i, I took a 11 minute hive inspection and broke it into one minute I was just like you I know loved what? that I'll what it looks like yeah I love <laughs> you know? that and I think that there are so many people on the platform to learn that's mm -hmm. how it started for me and then I me became too. a teacher and then now I don't know what I am <laughs> right no I'm with you I'm doing all that <laughs> I'm going through the same journey as you um but I have I have stepped back somewhat from that and focus more on my local bee beekeeper. So I'm on the board of our local bee club now, and we're really, I'm really excited about the changes we're making and some of the new leadership in place that's, that's very so supportive awesome. of that. So well, let's talk about that. I've been, yeah, I've I definitely been, want to talk about that. Yeah, I've been contacted by people once in a while who are contemplating joining the board of their local bee association, but they're like, I don't have very much experience with bees, and I don't know if I qualify. And I always say, go for it, man. It's really, it's such a great opportunity to serve and have a voice. You know, I, I'm in the Texas Master Beekeeper program. So as part of that program, and are you, did you do any state Master Beekeeper we kind of thing? We do. And you could get a lot of service points uh, for Correct. participating in the beekeeping associations like that. Right, exactly. So that was one of the things you could do, which is funny because like I can do one hour at a school or I can spend like an insane amount of time trying to get this bee club sorted out but <laughs> I, I do enjoy it i've met some wonderful people so and it you know I mean, we could talk about that if you want to talk about how i got into beekeeping and then yeah. working at gretchen b ranch i want and the so whole I working, story i mean i do have some okay. i have some bits from our last interview where we talk about gretchen b ranch and you were uh, working there. there like on the weekends and they got they kind of retired from the beekeeping side of it okay so they're still they're making more candles and wax products and yeah um it, the store there uh was mark gretchen's retirement business so he retired from it's like it, real high up in the library system here in san antonio and um and then he opened that gretchen b ranch and he did you know it was like commercial beekeeper kind of stuff small scale i mean small like three or 400 hives. So not really that small, Yeah. but, and then they opened the store and all that. Um, but 
you know, at some point he, he's a pastor at his local church there in Seguin, Texas, uh, assistant pastor. And so he wanted to, you know, explore that further. And I think mm-hmm. it's amazing that it's like, you know, I did this thing and now, and he's beekeeper for 40 years, right? Whoa. Yeah. So he was, it was awesome. Cause he was like this amazing mentor that kind of just took me in and paid me to come out there. It was so, he's so wonderful. And that was during COVID. And I got to spend like just time in the hives with this guy oh. with 40 years experience. Right. And I just, he answered every question I had. It and sounds you know, magical. A couple years in, you're just like, what is this? What is that? And he'd, he'd show me this really neat stuff. And he was just also really um, humble. And that sometimes he'd be like, I don't know. I've never seen that. Or What you a know, great mentor, of, though. I mean, that yeah. even 40 years in to be able to say, I don't know. That's cool. Right. What's that about? Right. right. And he would never, he'd say, well, or, you know, people would ask him what they should do in a situation. He'd say, well, this is what I'd do in this situation, but there's other ways to handle it. You know, he, he it wasn't like, it was my way of the highway yeah. by any means, you know? And he, it, I got to tell you, the best thing I learned though is um, there are just about four things you really have to keep your eyes on. And the rest of it is, is fun. And you can go down like the beekeeping wormholes. But if you're, you know, your clean health, your nutrition, your, the mite situation or pest situation and the size of your hive being appropriate for the size of the colony, other stuff kind of falls into place. And I I see people get, I live in South Texas. It doesn't get that cold here usually, but some people are like, oh, I got to insulate these hives. And I'm like, you don't, I mean, we don't have to do that here. So, you know, and I have friends who have the time and energy and they want to go down those wormholes, but for new beekeepers, educating new beekeepers in, in the club, um, you know, continuing education, just like if you can get these things as your foundation, like if your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like you'll be more successful than, you know, like what kind of pollen patty am I giving them? Like, okay, right. you know, there's a bunch of, it, it's, it's the parenting thing where there's, there's a lot of different pathways to a successful outcome, but negligence isn't one of them. Yeah. So, you know, there are people who are hardcore, you know, like uh, attachment parenting, people who are more, you know, free range. And these kids a lot of times turn out fine, but you have, you have to be involved and you have to, you know, know what's going on. So anyway, so that's kind of what I work with these newbie keepers to get these a good foundation. Yeah, that's so. so amazing. And I love that you're in that position because you are a really good beekeeper. I love your beekeeping videos. And even when you're working with the spiciest of spicy bees, you are always so cool. I got to tell you, it was was funny because I was, uh, I posted a little story about my daughter's tennis tournament. And my stomach is in like knots just watching high school tennis. But then I'm like in a bees and I'm just like, oh, look at all these bees, you know? It doesn't, I, I make, you know, I make sure I'm all zipped up and I don't currently have any really mean hives right now. Um, we'll see. I mean, this year I always hold some new things and I have, I do have one removal lined up for another barrel. So it'll probably be mean, but. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you do yeah. a barrel removal? We did one last year. I'll send you the post. So, um, <laughs> it was on my husband's work property because it's the old scrapyard. And so there's just like these big 55 gallon drums laying on their side and um, they use 10 snips and like just cut 
the end off. I think I did the, see that. And you, you yeah. didn't do it alone. You had some friends with you. Right. My husband was there and my friend Scott, um, Scott McCain, who's, um, he's an amazing beekeeper. He really is. And he's just so generous with his knowledge and experience. And so, and I, I met him on Instagram. Like so we just cool. started messaging on Instagram. He lives up in Austin. And so I, you know, and I met you through Instagram. So Instagram has brought some wonderful people into my life. So I just kind of have to keep an eye on that. Like, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it has a, it's benefit for it sure. It does. It but, does. Yeah. So we snipped it off, and then it was just all just comb in the barrel, and yeah, yeah. It was it was fun. Those bees were really wild. Yeah. So we have you know uh, the subspecies Scutellata down here here, and they're hybridized with the European bees, but mm-hmm. you just never know what you're going to get into in yeah. Texas. You don't really know ahead of time. I mean, you can you know you know how it is. You go up to a hive and if they're not happy or they're hyper defensive. They'll start giving you bumps, right? Yes. So we can usually tell ahead of time if it's going to be a full thing. But we always suit up fully because I don't, I don't need to end up in the emergency room every right. year. There's two or three people that they get killed by bees that are usually in a tree or a wall of, of a house or in a underground somehow. And somebody mows over them and they come out and they they die. I mean it's it's real so we don't we don't mess around here I mean I don't there are some beekeepers that (laughs) that show other stuff yeah Yeah. um one of my favorite quotes lately and I'm about to use some uh, bad language but one of my favorite quotes is fuck around and find out and (laughs) that that can be applied to so many things we can absolutely be painted thickly on beekeeping and and so working at Gretchen Bee Ranch we dealt with some of that where people would watch social media and think that they could do that, emulate that. And then they would come in, they'd get stung up and they'd come in to buy a suit and they'd come in just like, you know, like, Oh, I did this thing. And it's like, it's okay. Don't do that again. (laughs) You know, I mean, some of the people you're seeing doing this have a lot more experience or they already know the temperament of the hive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always I always wear a minimum of a veil. Um, I filmed an episode for Charlie B Company. Actually, I filmed two episodes. Yeah, so they're going to show this spring. Yeah, and one is on varroamite, which he said he can't get a lot of people to talk about varroamite. <laughs> I think it's interesting. So I was like, well, let's. Also, he wanted me to do a test and yeah. show it because he's trying to do more bee education stuff on his show. So we did that, and then we did an episode at the teaching apiary at the San Antonio Botanical Gardens, our club apiary. And so I wore your veil. Aww. I'm wearing your veil and short sleeve shirt, and that was like as little as I'll wear. And because these are very nice bees, we keep them very, you know, very nice genetics in the teaching apiary, and they're yeah. in the middle of the city next to a botanical garden, so they have to be nice. Yeah. So, wow. Um, but but even then, I'm I, I don't really like bees up in my face. I don't either. I'm so hyper reactive to even just the touch of them, even if they're just if I'm catching a swarm or something and I'm barehanded, the sensation of them fluttering across the backs of my hand um, is a little bit jarring for me. I don't know why I'm just really sensitive to that. Um, So that's swarm catching is the only time where I won't wear gloves. But if, if they're like up in a tree and I have to use my bucket 
pole thing to get them down, I am in my full suit with my gloves, yeah. not playing around. Because they're like falling on you and it's right. scary. And I just, you know, I tell people wear whatever makes you comfortable because yeah. they're reading so much energy off of you that if you're jittery and you're slapping at things or you're getting nervous, it just, it, it escalates. <laughs> I know. And Miss Anxious Pants over here, I'm like, I've got to really work on that before this upcoming bee season. And I don't love getting stung. I mean, I just, I, it's not, it hurts. Yeah. It's not great. And, and for the most part, I don't react too strongly anymore. But every once in a while, I'll get one where I'm just like, my hand is kind of out of commission for the rest of the day. Oh. And I don't, I don't enjoy it. So I try to avoid it if at all possible. Yeah. Because, you know, also it's a lot of dead bees when <laughs> you get stung a lot. So, uh, yeah. I'm from Texas. I grew up around Houston, out in the country. Uh, I went to college at University of Texas at Austin. I studied molecular biology. Uh, after that, I spent a, did a couple of stints at different universities in academic research. Um, and what I kinds of things science. were you researching? I guess molecular biology could apply to a lot of different Very genres. <laughs> so uh, I, when I moved to San, I moved to I lived in Montana. I worked for Montana State University for a while for their microbiology department, and I was just a lab, you know, lab tech kind of stuff. And when I came back to Texas, I worked for the University of Texas um, Health Science Center in San Antonio. And I worked for a lab uh, that we studied Parkinson's disease. Oh, so, wow. Right. So we were, um, I was running mouse colonies and working on a knockout mouse, like a genetic, try to knock out a gene in yeah. a mouse. We're trying to knock out a growth hormone gene, see how that affected Parkinson's. And um, while I loved science and I, you know, I enjoyed my coworkers being in a basement lab with a bunch of centrifuges all day and then. Um, the depths of the VA hospital with the the mouth colonies was uh, not really what I wanted to do <laughs> the rest of my life. And I, I thought I would go to graduate school. Honestly, I thought I would go back and, and do a genetics um, program. But when I looked at people in my field who had taken that path, they spent all their time writing grants. That's oh. all, they didn't do any science anymore. It was all grant writing, right? and meetings and and those and I just was like that that doesn't look fun either right yeah. so yeah so um at that point I was married and my husband and I were ready to start a family and you know I was very fortunate that I was able to be able to stay home with my kids and you know looking at how much money it costs for daycare child care um, yeah. for young children you know it was like okay I can spend all of my paycheck on child care or I can kind of just stay home and raise them and get to be around them. And I'm not faulting anyone for whatever choice they make, you know, awesome. I'm glad that we have those choices available to us, but I, I love being home with my kids when they were little and I was very involved with their awesome little preschool called discovery school here in town. <laughs> and it was always like play as you learn, learn as you play kind of place. So we had this amazing garden and just great. Um, so, I, you know, I was involved with them and, and being home and and then trying to figure out what I was going to do next, you know, yeah. as they started to get a little older. And um, this is, so my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer mm. and, and he was an amazing, um, he was a retired geophysicist. He retired in his fifties and then he didn't just retire, he 
got involved in his local politics and got involved in woodworking, was an amazing woodworker and just a lifelong learner. And, I, and mm. I've always, you know, I think I got that from him. Yeah. So when he was diagnosed, I mean, just out of the blue, like you have stage four pancreatic cancer and you have months left. And in the past, I considered beekeeping. Um, but I would, you know, Google like, oh, beekeeping classes. And, and that, at that time, I had no idea when classes were held. You don't understand right. how bees work. And you're like looking in November, like, why aren't there any beekeeping classes? <laughs> well, yeah, it's November. And I forget about it. Life got busy. But in the middle of helping my stepmom take care of my dad and, and doctor's appointments, and I said, so it, it happened to be March. And I said, you know what? this is something I want to do. And it, if there's things in your life that you have the opportunity and uh, the ability to, to go pursue, you should do it um, because life is short. <laughs> yes. You never know what the future holds. So I just, I signed up for this beekeeping class here in San Antonio and I, I went and I thought, well, I don't know um, if I'm ready to get a hive. Yes. Any bees yet. And I had no idea what nukes were, all these terms thrown around. And my husband said, I think you should just do it. I'm like, really? I should just Famous last yeah. words. <laughs> yeah. And so I did. I got two nukes. He went, we went and picked him up. I was like, what is this crazy world where we're, you know, driving to this place. There's this guy with bees everywhere. He's loading these things up in the back of our SUV. And, <laughs> um, and I got him. It was about two weeks before my father passed away. Mm. And I remember um, that point he was pretty much in bed and, um, my husband took a video of me installing my bees, my first bees into their hive. And I went over and showed him the video and he was just, he was so proud. And he would have been my number one fan if he was still here. Um, so it, it, but it was, it was healing for me because then he passed away and we dealt with the memorial service and all the stuff that comes after that. And, and I had this thing, this new thing that I couldn't just ignore. I needed to go out. It didn't require too much of my time at that point to yeah. go do. But it forced me to get outside and, and, and keep learning. And so it was meant to be that way. It really wow. helped me um, not kind of, I think, kind of wallow in that um, that sadness afterwards, you know? Yeah. And he wouldn't have wanted me to do that. So, Yeah. Oh, Heather. But (laughs) that's the thing. This is kind of cheesy. But like the first time I ever thought about beekeeping was I was um, 15 years old and I went to see Fried Green Tomatoes. Oh, (laughs) yeah. The movie Fried Green Tomatoes. (laughs) I still love that movie. And um, I just that character, Iggy Threadgood was her name, right? She was the bee charmer, Alabama or whatever. And I was like, look at that. So, and I don't ever do that, by the way. I'll walk up the <laughs> trees and pull honey out of a hive. But it was just like amazing seeing that somebody's doing that. And that, you know, you you know, honey comes from somewhere. There's got to be beekeepers, but you don't know really what that looks like. And this is before social media. Mm-hmm. So when are you going to see those sorts of things, right? So, but that was kind of like always in the back of my mind from that time. Like, I was like, to be a bee charmer. You I don't are think I'm a bee, bee charmer. charmer. But I, I enjoy, uh, uh, you know, I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I just kept every once in a while looking back into it. Like there's got to be a class. There's got to be something. Um, and I tell people, I said, the only thing I regret about beekeeping is not getting started sooner. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, I'm glad I, I started now, but I mean, it um, sounds like it for you started really at the right time when you when you really needed the bees. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I didn't know at the time that I was supposed to go tell them about my dad. But but I, I think it was it was all just kind of happened at the same time. And yeah. um, like I said, he would have been he would. <laughs> He would have been building so much equipment for me. I would have been like, but I'm, I'm grateful that they came at the right time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my story of how I got started. And so I started with two nukes in the backyard. Um, of course, you just go deep dive, right? You're just reading all kinds of books and watching all kinds of videos. And then I, I lost one of my first, one of my first nukes because you just don't know. And yeah, just like, why is it getting smaller? Why aren't they doing anything? And the other one just kind of kept growing and growing and did fine. And I, I went, um, yeah, I Googled like bee club. Okay. Cause I, at the first class I went to, they said, good idea to join your local bee club. Okay. I found it. It's called Alamo area beekeepers association. I'm like, okay. They have meetings every other month. I went to a meeting and I got to say that it was not really geared toward beginners. And anyway, oh. right? I think they had a commercial beekeeper there talking about overwintering four-way nukes on pallets, and I'm just like, I don't know what. That's it not even the same here. language that yeah, hobbyists correct. speak or beginners speak. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, I went to a couple of those, and it, it, you know, it's been around for a long time, and there's a lot of great, you know, members, older members who've been there forever. But I really, I didn't connect with the club. I didn't feel like it brought much value to where I was as a beginner. So uh, I kept kind of looking into, there's got to be some stuff around here, other beekeepers. And I, I found this place called Gretchen Bee Ranch and it was out in Seguin, Texas. So I'm in San Antonio. Seguin's about 30 miles east of San Antonio. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go out there. They have a beekeeping shop. I, you know, I, I found their Instagram and, you know, saw all the supplies and I drove out there and, and uh, 10, it's 10 and Mark Gretchen. And I saw her walk in and I kind of, you know, I was following her on Instagram and I thought, oh, she's kind of famous, you know. Superstars. And, watching her. <laughs> and I finally told her that. It was kind of embarrassing, but she was very <laughs> sweet about it. Um, and they, you know, I bought a couple of things and kind of checked out the shop and there was all this stuff that I had, I'd never seen a honey extractor up close. I, you know, different kinds of gear, beekeeping gear, different kinds of boxes. Uh, and so I just kind of kept going out there. And then every Saturday morning, they'd have a free workshop from 9 to 10 a.m. Um, that Mark would run. And that's just where I, I just started going. I tried to go oh. as often as I could. And like, it's a 45 minute drive for me. So it's not just down the street. Yeah. I go out there and, you know, he, they send a newsletter every week. This is what the topic's going to be. And I, that's how I learned how to requeen a hive. That's how I learned how to add, when to add supers, what signs of your nectar flow are, you know, pollen, how feed, different kinds of feeders. And I just met an amazing group of other beekeepers out there. And I'm still friends with a lot of them. Oh. Um, and so it kind of became its own little community and then COVID happened right and everything kind of shut down and they had a, a, a lady real nice woman who worked in the shop part-time and she was very sensitive to what was going on with COVID and she was didn't want to be in the shop anymore and so I I contacted Tan I said hey if 
if y'all want some help, like I'd love to come out. And so she talked to Mark and they you know, said, yeah, I said, well, we want to pay you. We don't want you to just come out here. And I was willing to just like intern or something. Or yeah. <laughs> um, I said, okay, I'm not going to tell you no. <laughs> um, and so I would drive out there a couple days a week and it was a long drive, but I mean, nobody was on the road. So it was just me. It was like no traffic. I'd just drive out there, spend the morning, um, spend all day Friday and learn and help in the shop, help Mark with the hive. And so we didn't have in-person um, workshops at that time, but we transitioned to Facebook Live workshops. So I would be the one holding the camera while he was teaching this workshop remotely and people would be tuning in on Facebook Live and I'd be asking the que- my questions and then the people, you know, the audience members' questions. And it was great because I for like a whole year, I just had this, beekeeper with 40 years of experience is like my personal mentor yeah uh, what a unique was, um yeah. experience for you and yeah and then it, like, it just and, seems like all of these things you were so meant to be a beekeeper yeah it, it was it really did it just kind of all fell into place in some ways and um so we were doing these workshops and then he, he teaches the you know, introduction to beekeeping every a couple times in the fall and then four or five classes every spring. And having a biology background, I said, well, can I add bee biology, more bee biology than what you was teaching? And he said, absolutely. I think that would be great. So I kind of went deep dive on that. And so we would, you know, teach the classes together and I would, I would teach about bee biology and queens and drones and workers and all the stuff you see in the hive. And, um, and then I helped um, run hive tours. We started a hive tour program. So I would give hive tours to family groups that would come out or, you know, couples looking for a fun Saturday morning thing. And I, I love that. I love giving these hour to hour and a half hive tours to non-beekeepers, right? Yeah. Spend 15 minutes or so kind of going over what we we're going to see and then let's do them up and taking pictures and sending them to them. And it was, it was just a really amazing experience. And it was, you know, I love when I was working in the lab and we were studying Parkinson's disease. Um, it was that there was value in that work. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you tell people that that's what you're doing, you get a lot of really sad stories. I mean, understandably, yeah. family members or people they've known who succumbed to Parkinson's. And when you tell people you're a beekeeper, they're like, oh, bees, right? For the most part, everyone's all someone's like, oh, I get stung or I'm allergic or whatever. But for the most part, people want to talk to you. It's it's happy conversations and each question, each answer leads to another question. And I just, I really, it did. It it really filled that need in me to be able to relate the science and the biology to people and why these creatures are so important to us. But um, so that is such a couple years. I love that perspective. And that's such a, maybe an overlooked lens when people are choosing their careers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I was in college in the nineties, it was like biotech, biotech can be the big thing. Right. And I was, and I was good at science and I'm good at math. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do science. And I thought for a while I was going to be pre-med, but then I was like, I don't really like sick people. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, this is not my, not my thing. Like, I, you know, I like, okay, I don't, that's not really what I want to be. But um, I I agree. And I just, yeah, right. And I, you know, I have friends who are oncologists, right? That's hard. 
right? I mean, all day long, you're, you're talking to families and, and patients and, and it's, sometimes you have a, a positive outcome. Somebody goes through treatment and, and they respond well. And then, yeah. you know, they get additional years of life. But a lot of times that doesn't work out. And I, I'm glad, I'm fortunate that I get to, to do something that's fun and that people are excited about and kids love and adults love. And even if they don't like bees, I can usually get to them through the honey. Yeah. So I don't love making <laughs> honey. Making honey is not my favorite part of beekeeping because it's a lot of work and it's a lot of mess and it's, you know, but it's like my gateway drug to get people to care about bees, <laughs> right? Because most people like honey. Uh, so, and I sell honey just here in my little local area. And I get to meet a lot of my neighbors in my forage range, right? And yeah. then they're really connected to my bees. Oh, totally. Because, yeah, I'm like, some, some of the bees you're seeing in your yard are from my hives, right? And I can I'm, show you a picture of the hive where this honey came from. And so people really like it when you can... Um, connect them on that level to the to their food, right? But yes, I'm I'm fortunate that I get to kind of do this, and it's it's not that lucrative, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm yeah, not, uh, it I, is not lucrative. I think people see stuff on social media and they think, oh my god, these people are killing it, and making a ton of money, and I, you know, unless you're really a big operation, you know, uh, and even then, I don't know how much money there is in it. I. I think people see that sometimes and think that um, it's just kind of like money coming in. And it's just, it's not. I have actually had people on social media, like in women's beekeeping groups or whatever, if somebody posts a picture of one of my veils, I've I've seen comments like, oh, I bet they're making a killing on those. No, like, no. <laughs> it, it, and especially when I look at the end of the year, like, you know, I'm getting ready to do my taxes right now. And I'm like, wow. Right. I didn't make a lot of money last year, like, but I worked right. a lot. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like, it's just so it, when you're a small business in this industry, even if you have a niche, you know, spot, you still have to work so hard. And it's it yeah. is so much work. Yeah. It's so much work. And I, I have, so I was talking about this a little bit in Texas. We have, I mean, Texas is Texas. So Texas is mostly privately owned, right? Like we don't have a whole lot of um, national forest lands like you do up in Oregon, right? Mm -hmm. Or or even state, we have state parks. It's so, so we weird to think whole... about. Like I can't imagine yeah. that. No, everything's owned by people. And so, and it's a very much like, you know, it's Texas kind of state right stuff. And it's a very agricultural state, right? A lot of pro-ag is what I would say. Um, so people you people get property tax reductions, valuation reductions um, using livestock. Uh, so we don't have a state income tax in Texas. So that's why a lot of people retire here. States like here in Florida and Nevada don't have state income tax. Uh, but instead we have pretty high property taxes. Because you got to pay for schools and hospitals and roads somehow. Um, so people, if, if they can have a certain size acreage of property and you put livestock on it, you can get a reduction on how much you have to pay in property taxes every year. Uh -huh. And historically, that was with cattle and goats and, and different livestock like that. Um, and in 2011, the Texas legislature added B 
to livestock, beekeeping, to, to their definition of livestock. So it really opened up this business, this whole industry in Texas that didn't exist before. So it's only been around for about 12 years. Wow. Um, you know, before uh, we had commercial beekeepers in Texas and, and a lot more on the eastern side of Texas. It doesn't get as cold over there. They have better forage, oh. you know, uh, over on that side of the state. Um, but this kind of opened up beekeeping to different other areas in the state where if you have between five and 20 acres, you can put a certain number of beehives on your property and get a reduction on your property taxes. And it takes five years to get this approved. So you have to be doing it for a number of years. But it's opened up a whole business of people running businesses where they, you pay them to bring their bees out to your property. Yeah. 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 And it, it didn't, it didn't exist before that. That wasn't a thing. And so other states don't have that, right? I'm, I'm assuming in Oregon, do you have people who are going to pay you thousands of dollars to bring your hives out to their property? I mean, I'm, I'll give them my number. <laughs> Right. I don't know anybody though. I, I, yeah, I don't think that's really a thing here. You know, when you see on social media, there's a lot of beekeepers in Texas, a lot of people doing removals and doing things like that. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, they're taking those bees and they're putting them out on properties that their um, their clients are paying them to put hives on their properties and manage those hives. So it's a it's a really booming business here as the property taxes, tax rates keep going up and more people move to Texas. Yeah. Do you feel like there's enough space for all of this? Like, is, the, is right. there going to so, be some point where maybe the honeybee saturation is too high? Yeah. And we are dealing with that in some areas, uh, to be honest. And, and you've got different beekeepers managing them in different ways. And uh-huh. some people aren't as... Um, thoughtful about uh, managing their varroa mites and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you start to end up with, uh, with, uh, you know, with varroa bombs or whatever in the fall kind yeah. of thing, crashing hives around you. Uh, but also just like, can the area support that many hives with its forage? Right. And in some places, it absolutely cannot. And so the determination of how many hives you need for your acreage is determined by the county that you're in. And some counties have, you know, lower requirements because their forage is not as good. But some, you know, require quite a few. So uh, you, you could have, you could need to have up to 12 hives on a 20 acre area, which is a lot of hives. I mean, and in a place that's not really for commercial beekeeping, you know. Yeah. And if your neighbor also has that, and the neighbor, the other neighbor, you start to. calculate how many hives you could have in a one mile radius. It can be quite significant. Um, Not every, there is a lot more interest in this. It's getting, you know, word of mouth. People are starting to, you know, hear, Oh, yeah, my neighbor down the street's getting this or getting, and I would call these ranch at right. Five to 20 acres isn't really a ranch in Texas. (laughs) It's a ranch at, right. And, (laughs) Oh, the ranch in Texas. A lot of them are, you know, just outside kind of the exurb, right outside of the big towns, the big metro areas. I I don't know where it goes from here, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of an it's kind of like 
the wild west like well i guess we'll find out what happens right we'll fuck around and find out yeah I, yeah <laughs> potentially right that's the problem <laughs> and, and, and it's true I, I know people who you know they're trying to get this ag exemption they think the first year they need the full load and brand new beekeepers starting with six or seven hives which is a that's lot that's a right? lot and most of the time it doesn't work out very well like you said, fuck around and find out. They're like, I, I'm totally in over my head, right? And then yeah. they hire someone like me to come out and be like, why are you missing all these frames in this box? Why, <laughs> you know, like, where is the lid? What happens if they don't Oh my God. Because <laughs> it's just, they have no, they just, it's, it's like giving people teenagers, <laughs> like brand yeah. new parents, like, here yeah. you go, where's your teenagers? <laughs> like, you need to work your way up to that. So I've had quite a few clients like that and some of them listen and some of them don't and they don't get to continue to be my clients. But the ones that listen and, and, you know, they really take it to heart and and kind of learn how to take care of their bees. I still have a relationship with all those people. Um, I struggle because some of these people, they're purely interested in the dollar, you know, like they just want a tax break. They don't care about the bees and some of them get into it and then they're like, whoa, this is kind of cool. This is amazing. And, they get into it for that reason and then they fall in love with the bee, right? And then they become part of the beekeeping community here in our local bee club. And that's great. Then other ones just, they don't, and they, they don't manage them well. Mm. And it's really sad. And they'll just, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, we're beekeepers. And I'm like, oh, how many hives do you have? Well, we lost all of them last year, but we're getting six packages. They just get newbies every year. And it just kind of breaks my heart. Like, you don't have to do that. There's a better way. <laughs> Like we have taken these wild creatures <laughs> and stuck them in a man-made box and our responsibility is to take care of them. Otherwise just leave them, just leave, let them be in trees or wherever. Right. Like, but once you've taken them and you've put them in this home, they're now yours and you need yeah. to be responsible for them. So the, the, to transition to that. So that's when I learned from Mark, what Mark Gretchen watching him do these workshops every week. And it was kind of, beekeeping continuing education right and you'd have all different levels of people that would come uh, but it was mostly kind of two second year third year first year kind of beekeepers and um it was just an amazing opportunity he provided for beekeepers in the there people would drive two and three hours to come right from like you know victoria corpus christi texas down south texas and then when the Gretzens decided they kind of wanted to retire from that, I'm like, oh no, we're gonna. There's nowhere to go. So that's when I decided to get back involved with that local bee club that I didn't really connect with at first. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know what, I'm gonna try it again. And in that meantime, we had some new leadership come on, and we moved our meetings from a, a, a church that was outside of San Antonio into San Antonio, into the urban core at the San Antonio Botanical Garden. We have this amazing room we get to have the meetings in, and it's in the middle of this beautiful botanical garden. And they said, in exchange for that, can y'all just keep some hives on the property behind the greenhouse? That is a win-win. Right. It doesn't get better than that for a bee club. Yeah, I mean, they live in like paradise these bees it's amazing and i was like can we turn this into a teaching apiary because this we have this void now yeah and you know they were they kind of like okay here you go you go have fun with that and i'm like great here i go and so we we started last year we put a few nukes in there and built up these hives and of course they do great they're they have all kinds of food there 
and uh, we started to have little workshops. And we're not having them every Saturday because we're, it's free and it's just volunteers running it. Yeah. And mostly it was me and, and my friend David Hunter running them. Um, and this year we plan to have more. And we're having like a beginner series. So it's not really an introduction to beekeeping, but it's like you've already taken your introduction to beekeeping class and you maybe or you're getting your bees or you've already gotten your bees and then we keep it going. So like you were saying, that first the first year, that learning curve of being like, how do I even hold a frame of bees without having these bees so angry at me? Yeah. So that's my first workshop I do. I'm like, let's I'm gonna show you how I use a hive tool how I move slowly, how, I, you know, just to give them that confidence, right? And then we're going to identify what we're seeing. That's all we're going to do in this whole workshop is just show you how I move through this hive and show you we're going to talk about what we're doing, seeing, which is kind of what I did on my Instagram reels last week was like, that's how I'm doing it. And then we kind of add on to that. Like we might, you know, how do you know we need to put a super on? How do you know, you know, what are your options for feeders? All these different things. And so it's been an amazing um, opportunity to have those there. And then we have, you know, we recap it at like about 12 people. So it's a small group. And um, I've already, I have one planned for the end of February. We have some scholarship students, some youth scholarship students. And so the one from last year, this is her first winter. And I'm like, I need you to be there. Because I want these kids to be there. We want to provide that support for them. Uh, So it's, I love it. And also, they get to meet other beekeepers. And they get to meet other beekeepers. And they get to kind of like give each other their phone numbers. And it's like you're creating this community. So they have more people to ask their questions to. Because things are going to come up. so essential. You wouldn't wouldn't realize that at the beginning. But it's such an important part of this experience. Right. And so just giving them, so they're not always, they don't have to like they have to ask me. Yeah. You've got a whole handful of people now you can, what is this? What am I seeing in the pie? What am I looking at? Um, so it, I love it. And, and they all joined the club and now they're all participating in club activities. In fact, we just, um, we have the San Antonio rodeo just started today and it's about two and a half weeks long. And we have a booth there every year, our bee club. And so we sell honey and we have a little observation hive thing and educational stuff. And so all these volunteers sign up to go man the booth at the rodeo. And it's our biggest fundraiser. And we make quite a bit of money from it, uh, which allows us to do other programs uh, for we have a big field day event in May. So, Heather, what what um, what kind of book would you recommend for new beekeepers? Do you have a favorite my personal favorite is The Backyard Beekeeper by Ken Slaughter, which is, you were, t- I was talking about podcasts earlier. Yeah. He's on Honey Bee Obscura with Jim too. And it, I, it's just a really great beginner book. That's what I started with. Um, has great pictures. That was like my resource. Um, at Gretchen Bee Ranch, we sold the first lessons in beekeeping was a really popular one too that Mark really liked. And, you know, a lot of people like beekeeping for dummies. So I, that I mean, I was one of my solid. one of my first books. Yeah, I think those are just solid, good starter books. Get you through your first year. And then, you know, then maybe get your toe into some Tom Feely. I have a client and he's, um, we have 12 hives, or he has 12 hives that I manage for him. But he comes out a lot of times and he's interested in the bees. But for the, he had him for a few years and he wasn't really that interested in them and thought you could just kind of 
stick them in a box and they would do their thing. Which is not true. And uh, so last year he hired me to full time take care of his bees. And he's really gotten into the bees. It's like amazing. It's so much fun. And over Christmas, he was like, somebody gave me Honeybee Democracy. Have you ever read Honeybee? Oh, I'm like, wow. yeah, I've read Honeybee Democracy. And he was just, we're setting up a swarm trap this year. And he's already got a swarm trap. And this is just something he was not that interested in. Right. Now he's interested in it. He's interested in the honey. He's interested in how, you know, he kind of thought we didn't need to worry about roa mites so much. And I'm like, yeah, we need to worry about roa mites. And so he's come a long way. And all 12 hives are still alive at the That's end of winter. That's so amazing. He's like, this has never happened. He's like, this has never happened. This is the first year that my bees look this good going into winter. You were like able to facilitate a better life for his bees, but it sounds like you were also a facilitator in his, the enhancement of his experience. And you've pulled you've pulled back the veil um, right. of you know what what it takes to to care for bees and all of the fascinating things that come with it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I send them a spreadsheet where I update every time after I go <laughs> visit, and, you know, every, have a little clipboard that we're kind of marking our, you know, little management spreadsheet of what we're seeing in the hives. And it just really, I think, connected him to the bees more rather than just kind of like dipping in and out of it. Yeah. And he travels quite a bit in his life. So, when he's not in town, I can go over there and take care of him. He knows that they're being taken care of. And then when he's in town, he comes out and suits up with me. And and we, you know, he never caught a swarm before. And we, um, in the summertime, it was like early fall. Uh, we got some nice rain. So things started blooming again. And we were feeding some hives, trying to get him ready for winter. And he likes to put that honeybee healthy in the food. You know, it smells yeah. like lemongrass. <sighs> and all of a sudden, I was like, Michael. We're in a swarm. <laughs> the swarm had just shown up. Like all the hives were fine. And I said, he's like, what do we do? I'm like, well, let's just see where they land. Yeah, right? Amazing. And they landed over on the side of a hive and went and got a clean clip. And he'd never experienced it. It was really great. We found the queen. And we, I said, do you have any boxes? Yeah, I'll go get it. He got it out of the garage, brought it out. And we just made up a whole new hive and kind of got to watch it grow. Um, so it, I love that kind of experience. That's yeah, what I enjoy doing yeah. with newbie keepers, right? And just kind of expanding their mind. Um, that's the possibility, right? And then, you know, beekeeping is heartbreaking too. You lose hives. You lose bees. Um, I've had a couple of times where hives have gotten poisoned. I, I'm assuming that somebody sprayed a feral hive, most likely somewhere nearby. I just don't think, you. you know, people talk about, people spraying pesticides in their yards, which obviously I'm totally against, but I don't think you can get the kind of carnage you see when you, one day you have a bustling hive going and mites are fine, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden they're just like thousands of dead twitching bees on the ground in front of the hive. It's not a, a subtle <laughs> by any means. And so all I could ever come up with is that somebody sprayed a feral hive somewhere, all that that honey's now poison. These bees are going to rob that out. They're coming back. The whole foraging forest is just gone, right? Wow. Um, yeah, and, and I actually just, had never thought about that before. And you're mm -hmm. right. Oh. Yeah. That's what I think happens in the oh. circumstances. And so what I see is that, I, and it's so sad. And, you, you know, you go in, into the hive 
and you see all the dead twitching bees on the ground. And then when you pull, have you ever experienced this? I've had like a, I've had a couple of hives get poisoning, but not total carnage level. Okay. Yeah. So you pull out a frame and you, you know, they're holding on to the frame and walking around and bees just start falling off because they can't hold on. Oh. And then they're like twitching on the ground and spinning in circles or whatever. Yeah. Out. I've seen that yeah. before. Yeah. And, and. And then it's just, you've lost the entire foraging forest, right? And, you know, and I still see the queen. She's laying there's nurse bees. And I've, for the most part, I'm able to rehab them or re- get them back on track. I have to feed them. Yeah. Feed them clean food, feed them pollen. You know, the, the, I usually collect pollen um, and freeze it. And then I'll uh, mix it in with pollen substitute to make pollen, my homemade pollen patties give them that just kind of give them something because nothing's coming in because all the forages are dead but that hive has been set back like just it's done whatever plans i had for that hive forget about it yeah maybe next year because who knows and a lot of times they replace the queen within a month you know because they they didn't evolve in a place where there was these kind of poisons that humans created right so in their mind when a bunch of half their population has died there's something wrong with this queen and mm-hmm. i mean this is not conscious right but like yeah they take it out on the queen as you know when something like this happens so they replace the queen and it's got to go through that whole process right where it's just like it just kind of throws such a big wrench into everything so i do a lot of education in my area on like if you see a beehive um call a beekeeper to remove it you know the next door app which is you know kind of funny but the next door app I have all these people around town that when they see it in their area, someone's like, there's a beehive in this thing. They'll send me a message and I can I go respond to these people. And then a lot of times I'll go over to their house because I hate doing tree removal. Tree removals are like a huge pain, but Charlie yeah. Agar, master of tree removal. And so I'm happy to refer people that are experts to do that kind of work. So I'll go over and I'll spend 30 minutes to an hour with the homeowner explaining what's going on. I'll usually take my old thermal imaging camera, kind of give them an idea of what's going on. And then we'll talk about why you don't want to just poison these bees. Right. And, and, and you know, I've had uh, pest control companies call me too. And um, construction, the big construction schools where they have the cables and the bees love to get into those. And they'll be like, yeah, we tried chilling it twice and spraying them, you know, and just, nuking them and i've had this is awful but they're like you want to come and get these bees and i i have to say you need to just finish it yeah and you need to clean it all up because if you don't clean it up you're going to kill a whole bunch more bees in the area Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have done that to start with um and that's just it's kind of it's heartbreaking i don't i don't so if i can prevent (laughs) getting to that point right because uh, you know you can't save yeah. those bees. Yeah. At that point. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sad. But, it, you know, if you can get. And so having that conversation, though, I don't berate them. I just say this is what needs to be done. Yeah. But next time, next time, don't do that. And I'll hopefully they, they feel yucky enough about. Yeah. Their attempted I, murders that they <laughs> will remember. <laughs> They'll remember and next time. And if I'm too harsh on them, they'll just go the other direction. Yeah. You know, yeah. you 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 risk 
pushing them further into like, well, F those bees, right? Like, right. F that bee lady or whatever. So I try to just be like, hey, I get it. You didn't know any better. You know, in this country, we have full aisles of poison at the hardware store. That's just how it is in the U.S. Um, so, but there's a better way, right? And a lot of times they'll start following my Instagram and they're like, oh, wow, I never thought this about this about bees. So, so yeah, everyone has a chance at redeeming themselves you know we all made mistakes in the past and just do better right yeah do better yeah oh well heather this has been <laughs> so wonderful um i'm all excited now. yeah and yeah. again i am so sorry about last time I, i'm you know i'm glad that that worked out this way really because I'm in a different, you know, I'm, I'm on to a different thing. And yeah. and I got to talk about that, but then talk about how that, that's leading me to this new thing I'm involved with. with I, I am and, just so excited that you are in the position that you are. You are already making an enormous impact, but it, I mean, I'm just, I'm really excited for you. To learn more about Heather, head over to beekeeperconfidential.com where I've included links to her social media, the Alamo Area Beekeepers Association, and an episode of PBS's Charlie Bee Company, where Heather makes an appearance. Be sure to check it out. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Beekeeper Confidential is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.